Thank you for being a listener of the Women in Tech podcast. To support the podcast and cheer us on, become an MVL Most Valuable Listener on our private feed where you'll have ad-free episodes and join us in Zoom meetups to meet other listeners of our podcast community. Go to womenintech.love, linked in the show notes. I think this is like the most fulfilling part of online education teaching is that you can help someone feel confident that they can do and figure out and do whatever they want. My name is Esprit Devora, host of The Women in Tech Show. The show means a lot to me. The reason why I wanted to create The Women in Tech Show is I wanted to create a positive piece of content, something where people can listen and say, if she can do it, so can I. Hi. I'm Jam. I'm a product manager for a startup called Grocery, and I'm based here in Manila, Philippines. So I'm fairly new to the Facebook community, but I've been listening to the podcast for a few months now. And yeah, I've been working in tech for four years. And when I think of what's gotten me through the day-to-day challenges that I've faced, a huge chunk of the credit goes to having a small group of women that I'm close to basically people who I can confide in and they provide me with the support and advice that I need. And so for me, the podcast and the community are just extended versions of that. Women from all over the globe coming together and genuinely wanting other women to succeed. And to me, that's very, very inspiring. And it's become a source of reassurance for me that I do deserve to be in the room and a source of information of what I can do to build that same sort of culture of support in the companies that I work for and the communities that I'm a part of. To connect with me, you can follow me on Instagram at jampilarka or my email is jam.pilarka at gmail.com. If you too want to connect and collaborate with more incredible women in tech, remember you can go to the Women in Tech Facebook group at womenintechvip.com. That's womenintechvip.com. The best business resource I have is my mentor's private Facebook group. I've never found a community that cares more about one another's success. It inspired me to create the same thing for podcasters. If you're a tech company or startup looking to grow your podcast audience, I created GetPodcastListeners.com, a private group specifically to discover how other podcasters have grown their audiences so we could do the same. Check out GetPodcastListeners.com. That's getpodcastlisteners.com. So a little language learning tip. I've been studying Spanish throughout this whole pandemic. It was my first language, but I did forget it and I've been missing it. And so I've been taking Spanish lessons through a site called italki. It's been amazing. It's the letter I talk, letter I again dot com. It's so great. Highly recommend that you uh, check out the site if you're jiving to learn a new language. Let's see if I can get, let's see. Me llamo Spri. <laughs> I sound so silly. Oh, I can't do this right now. It's 4 a.m. This is my third personal spot for the night, preparing all the episodes for the podcast. Maybe I'll speak Spanish to you in a future episode. For now, enjoy the next one. Bye. Welcome back to 
the Women in Tech podcast. This is part two of the interview with Puno, who is amazing. She is the co-founder of People Math and the founder of I Love Creatives. We're going to be getting into her journey. She is based out of Los Angeles, like I am, about I Love Creatives and why she's so passionate about helping creatives around the world. Hi, Puno. Hi. (laughs) So just to like kick things off again for everybody listening to the episode for the first time that may not have heard part one yet, can you tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do? Sure. I'm Puno from downtown Los Angeles. I'm the founder of I Love Creatives, like you were saying, (laughs) and peoplemap.co, which is an Instagram marketing tool. And then I Love Creatives is an edutainment place, a place to, I, I'm, I'm learning it. I'm figuring it out right now, honestly, but yes, it's a place to learn and stack your digital skills. <laughs> and for everybody who wants to hear more about People Map, definitely be sure to tune into part one. That's where we discussed all about People Map. Today is going to be about I Love Creatives and about Puno's story about how she became a woman in tech. And so Puno, give us like a, a feeling like what does I Love Creatives do? How large is I Love Creatives? What is it? Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, okay. So I Love Creatives is, it's funny when you say in tech because it sounds so big, but I Love Creatives is built on Squarespace over a weekend and it still is on Squarespace. (laughs) And, uh, you know, when I first built it, it was website, ads, like a Craigslist kind of for creative people, and then MailChimp. And I just had that. I hired somebody. I put a price tag on these digital things and then um, ads, and then just kind of kept it going for like two or three years. And that kind of organically grew because I didn't do Instagram. I didn't do anything. It was literally just a place to help connect people that I was meeting in Los Angeles And it grew to beyond Los Angeles to about 20,000 people, which isn't really a lot, but we had a great click-through rate and open rate. On the emails, yeah. On the emails, yeah. And then uh, maybe like 2018, 2017, I was bootstrapping all of my businesses with freelance web design. Freelance Squarespace web design, to be very specific. I was fortunate enough to get more enough clients where I needed uh, an assistant or uh, like a junior Squarespace designer. And so, of course, I used my own platform to put an ad out. And I said, I'm looking for a, square, a junior Squarespace designer, $20 to $40, depending on your experience. I got over like 100 applicants and 95% of them were not really what I was looking for. And then that's when I was like, wow, there are 95 people that want to do this. That like when, I mean, because the application, like my applications tend to be very detailed, but they went out of their way to like fill out this application and I'm only going to pick one person. And I felt like, one, I felt like that's not fair. It's like, And it sucks because, I mean, what am I going to do? Am I going to email every single person, which I guess I should have done, actually? I do. (laughs) I mean, I really should have, actually. It takes hours. It's awful. It takes hours. And then I was like, well, maybe I want them to know. Basically, what I would have said if I were going to be emailing each person was, hey, I think you could do this. If you really want to get into Squarespace design, this is what you could do. And then that's when I was like, maybe I should build a course. 
about Squarespace website design because where else are you going to find that? It's so specific. But I didn't do that at first because I had a hang up about online education and online courses. It just felt like they were very icky. And so I was like, I don't know if I want to do this. I have that hang up too. I want to get more into that for sure. Yeah. You don't have to clarify. You don't have that hang up anymore. Mm-mm, no, ma'am. Yeah, so I'm excited to hear more about that. Keep going. Yeah. You know, it just kept kind of coming up like the like either I needed more help and it was very hard to find help or I don't know what I mean. It was just like it kept coming up. And so then I was like, all right, there's oh, actually what happened was this is such a tangent. But what happened was I got a cat and <laughs> I'm a dog person and that effed me up, yo. Like, I was like, what else do I have wrong about myself? Because <laughs> I am a cat person now. Like, I'm, I call myself a cat photographer. My cat is an influencer. Like, it's just, it's bananas. And I hated him. I was that, I feel so bad for all the people who have ever told me, like, you know, whenever you have that stupid talk and then someone's like, oh, I have a cat. And you're like, I hate cats. Like I was that asshole that would tell somebody that. And now I'm a cat person. And then so that made me really be like, whoa, what other things do I think about myself that are not true? Like, you know, peas. I like peas. I just had crappy peas before. It was like a long <laughs> list. And I actually one day... I was just writing down a list of all these things that I were like, what do I think I'm so passionate about that I am this? And one of them was an online course teacher, or online course creator or whatever. So then I was like, okay, let me just- You despised online course creator. Yeah. yeah, same. I feel the exact same. So I'm so excited to hear how you broke through because I, I am where you were. Yeah. yeah. Well- so the first thing was like, okay, what is it that I don't like about it? And I was like, number one, I feel like they're trying to rip me off or like it's some scam. And so I was like, okay, but like if I were to teach something, wouldn't, I mean, I feel like I would go above and beyond. Like I, I would, you know, and I was like, okay, well, what? So then I just broke it down and I was like, well, what is it about Squarespace that you feel like people should know that if they were to pay money for it? that they would be like, oh yeah, that was well worth the time. And so I just started from there. And then I added more things. Like I really hate when I watch certain courses, they're so boring. Oh, totally. So boring. And I was like, okay. So then I worked with a video editor that's funny. <laughs> It makes a big difference. And then made sure that we had jokes in there. And like we made up a song called Calm Down. So like whenever you're troubleshooting something and you're just like so flustered, you can just play this song, Calm Down. We just added a lot more personality into it. And basically just anything that we were like, man, I hate that. Well, I was like, you know what? Stop complaining about it. Like, mm. what would I rather see? Oh my God, that's, dude, that's why I created the Women in Tech podcast because at the time in 2015, when I created the Women in Tech podcast, the women's groups, the conversations 
unfortunately, 100% of the time where how women are held back and how, like, there's everything stacked against women. And at that point, I'd already raised money. I'd already built the first action sports company, uh, action sports social network. Like, I'd already done all these things that allegedly I wasn't supposed to be able to do. And so I'm like, man, if I had these messages my whole upbringing I wouldn't have done these things. And I'm like, I want to create a positive piece of content to show what's possible. Like, I just want to focus on what's possible. Even if there's a zillion impossibilities, I want to show everyone the glimmer of light for the one possibility and just put all of our attention on where the possibility is. And so it's interesting when you say it that way. It's really interesting when you say it that way. And you forget that. Like, you forget lots of things. I always forget that my period is going to happen every month. I, I, mean, I feel like there's just, like, so many things that you need to remind yourself that you can <laughs> – That got hurt, guys. That was so that good. Because <laughs> it's true. <laughs> You're, like, checking right now. You're, like, damn it. I'm, like, and that is something that all of us can relate to. <laughs> I feel like with – just doing that test, that simple, like, what are the things that have pissed me off forever or like, just get at me forever. Like that's like, really, no, really like take that and dissect it and, and say like, okay, opposite now, what would I like to see instead? And a lot of people ask me about competitors for online education. They'll be like, they'll send me, you know, a certain other websites and they'll be like, oh, look, at this is your competitor. And I'm like, okay, first of all, it's the internet <laughs> and, <laughs> and I'm a lifestyle business. So the competitors kind of don't really make a big difference to me. Also, I've realized that for me, online education is a opportunity to democratize education, make education available, approachable, like possible for a lot of people. And I would love, okay, it's just like, for example, whenever we have enrollment, the amount of questions that we get from student or potential students is incredible. And I think that that's like what it should be. You should be able to ask your college, what am I going to get out of this? What am I like, who's my teacher? What credentials do they have? Am I going to learn this, 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 and this? Like, you should be able to ask those questions. And I think that because of, you know, because that we have this course and you can get a refund or whatever, like, you know, that's a freedom that you get. So I feel like I, I think that a lot of these things have now made me more comfortable saying that I'm an online teacher and I'm an online educator. And I think the third thing is the marketing part. So I think that to me was the cringiest part of most online courses and most online educators is how they market their businesses. That's where I felt like, uh, no, I don't know, man, <laughs> you know, and as a designer, I feel like I was able to, I, at least I, I was able to inject my personality even in copy, right? Like the way that we talk about our courses isn't like, bullet pointy, you know, marketing speak. It's just like, if I would tell a friend like, Hey, this is, if you want to learn this, this is what I'm going to teach you. And just being real and being honest. And I think that took a while for 
me to understand what to, how to do that. It, t- it took a while for me to be comfortable being myself. And I'm still learning, but we had this one ad and some people might see it. But one of those ads that came out, somebody like wrote in the comments is like, oh my God, this ad is so funny. And I was just like, oh, rad. Like, that's great. Like, that's it. Yeah. They didn't say, oh man, this ad makes me want to throw up in my mouth. Like that. <laughs> <laughs> As most ads do. Yeah. Yeah. So that, and then the final thing, the final thing, which I did not think was going to happen was, yes, we do teach students and we do help them become Squarespace freelance designers, but this is something I did not see at all. I think this is like the most fulfilling part of online education teaching is that you can help someone feel confident that they can do and figure out and do whatever they want. Mm. That's the cool part. Like that is the part that's like invaluable. It's the thing that you're just like, holy cow, like you believe in yourself? Like, I mean, yeah, sometimes it falters and sometimes you need to get back up, but like that's huge. And I think teachers are the ones that can do that, you know, and you as a podcaster or teacher as well. But like, I feel like that's something that makes me like, whoa, this is like not in the job description. This was like way better. (laughs) (laughs) That's so cool. And I mean, you're getting me excited about your courses. What kind of courses do you teach? Like uh, we go to I Love Creatives and then what happens? Mm -hmm. Well, so we have we have three right now. One of them is the big one is the Squarespace design course. I really went all out with this one in the beginning. I made like a Monument Valley 3D portal. You have like a little astronaut avatar and you jump around into portals and then it opens up a video and essentially we teach you, I mean, the basics and the ins and outs of uh, how to pick apart a Squarespace, any website really, but a website using developer tools, using CSS, HTML, And then from there, we just kind of keep building up your skills to eventually build your own website. And we do online design critiques where I I have like a queue of critiques that I need to go through today. And we give you, you know, not just like, this could be better, like this could be cuter. We'll be like, okay, I think that, you know, you said you wanted to get to this kind of design. So let me show you how I would try to figure it out. And then I, we literally give them like a 15-minute video of us stumbling around trying to figure it out. But the whole point of it is just to teach you how we learn. That's like the most important part is that, especially with tech, is like you, you have to learn how to learn. <laughs> I mean, I love it. I love the, your passion that goes into it. And I mean, the way you even describe it makes me want to like see the astronaut jump around. <laughs> And give us a background on you falling in love with technology. I mean, you worked at Activision. You've had so many different cool experiences in your life. When did you first discover tech and your interest in technology? My dad was a programmer, so I was really lucky. And then I I think I remember the first time I was like really into the computer was Carmen Sandiego, baby. Yes. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. The original edutainment Oh my gosh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Whoa. I loved it. 
Whoa. <laughs> Whoa, right? Like if actually if you go on Wikipedia, it's like they describe it as edutainment. And uh, yeah, that was like my first time where I was like, oh my God, this is dope. I get to click on this bunny and it moves and then teach me math. Like, <laughs> like that's great. And then my aunt is a graphic designer. And so I just kind of like, you know, knew about that world. And I was very fortunate that my school had like a graphic design course. So I got to take that. Since I had computers around, I got to play around a lot. And I always just really liked the internet too. And I think when it was 2006, I was about to graduate. I was graduating from Macomb School of Business uh, supposed to get like supposed to do all these interviews. I didn't interview with Microsoft and I didn't get it. And it was like really weird the way it all happened. I was like, I'm going to build my own business. And so I, at the time it would, it didn't exist, but I made wireframes and, um, went on Craigslist and said, I have an idea and I need developers. And then I, I brought on these this developer from IBM. We built it out. It was a complete failure. <laughs> but I was able to like show that because we we wanted to do it for advertising agencies. I showed it to a bunch of creative directors and they gave me a job essentially. And then from there because you know, I'm always tinkering around with technology with software, I got really comfortable with just tinkering, like, you know, how you were describing it. And I think that's a skill that you have to learn. But once you figure it out, you just are more curious than you are frustrated. And so I just would do that, like, at home and just tinker around and then became known in our company or agency as like the tech girl or the digital girl. And so, you know, because of that, it kind of like, I was like, okay, well, I'll just kind of dig into this. And then at one point when I was in advertising, I think more of ego than anything, I wanted to be a traditional art director and make TV commercials, print ads and things like that. I can't believe I, I'm saying I wanted to make a print <laughs> ad. Who wants to make a print ad? But uh, <laughs> so, so, so then like I did that and it was fun. I started to really pick apart my deal breakers about work. And what I loved about digital was the iteration. I loved the immediate, like being able to like put something out there, play with it and then see what happens. Like I just like that immediacy. I like the ability to create like community from it. It's more of a interaction, right? It's more of a, hey, this is what I think this button should do. Like, maybe you do too, you know? And I really liked that. Uh, whereas like with content, it is, or ads, it's very just one way a lot of times. Not, I mean, I still, I, I appreciate ads. I love ads. I make ads from freaking I Love Creatives. That's when I realized that I really liked, I wanted to work in-house somewhere. I wanted to work on a long-term like, you know, design project. And so I had the opportunity to be a UX UI designer, which was just becoming a thing and did that and really liked it was like, wow, this is super fun. Cause you, you get to create the experience for another person. And ever since then, I've just really kind of 
you know, taken that and like, and just started stacking all those skills and like using it to build new worlds. So I forgot, I forgot what you were asking me. Well, no, <laughs> what I was going to say, no, it's perfect. I wanted you to go on with your journey because as we've had like part one of this interview and part two, there's just so much. And so I wanted you to really get into deep on your journey. I wanted to ask what's one huge obstacle you've successfully overcome in your career and how did you overcome it? Stick around. We'll be right back after the break. We would not be able to support and celebrate women in tech around the world if it weren't for you. Thank you so much for being a listener and a fan of the show. To contribute and donate, simply go to womenintech.fm on the upper right-hand side and click Donate, which empowers us to continue celebrating women in tech around the world. Thank you for being a part of our journey. What's one huge obstacle you've successfully overcome in your career and how did you overcome it? I feel like it's just like, you know, myself and totally. Yeah. We are know, our own worst obstacle. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's like patience is like one of the big things that fights you when you want like a lifestyle business. Cuz like if you want a lifestyle business, you need to embrace slow growth, especially if your lifestyle is that you want it to be relaxed and not burnt out and like, you know, laugh a lot more and blah, blah, blah. So I think no, that- No, 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 no. Wait, hold on. It's not oh. blah, blah, blah. Uh, yeah. It's really important. It's really I, important. I, I'm just going to stop you there because I, so I am in the phase right now where I am training myself how to prioritize not taking myself so seriously and literally to have fun. Like if I want to sleep in, fuck it. If I want to stay up late, fuck it. If I only want to work for an hour, fuck it. Like it's really hard because I'm incredibly driven and I am a workaholic and I have big aspirations, but like at some point, I stopped becoming curious and I stopped feeling joyous and I stopped smiling because I was so serious. And so I think what you said is actually way more important than how you blah, blah, blah it off. I know. <laughs> I was just like, because we talked about it earlier. <laughs> <laughs> no, I am passionate about lifestyle businesses. I feel like you're right. I mean, and I'm glad that you paused that because it's true. It's like, it's this thing that is something you have to fight for. You have to fight for being happy and being relaxed. And, and it, there's like so many things that are going against that. Yep, totally. And so, I mean, really, it's just prioritization, right? And you're just you're just like daily prioritizing a little bit of ambition today. You know, like I'm like, okay, I'm feeling productive. I'm going to be super ambitious today. But, you know, tomorrow I'm probably going to take a nap. <laughs> and that's okay. That's yeah. the thing that, that where society's messaging is that that's not okay. And so it creates a lot of conflict and guilt. At least it has for me. So I, anyway, I'm, I'm glad that you said that because I just think I think that that's really important um, as a community of people that we give ourselves permission to enjoy our existence. <laughs> I know yeah. that sounds so trippy, but like. No. Yeah, I think that is true. And it's like, 
one of the things that I, it's very interesting having like an environment of education because you talk about a lot of this mindset stuff, like a lot of these things that kind of hold you back. And so I've just, it's just very interesting because I see it in big numbers. Like I see how many people I feel guilty for not working super hard or feel really guilty for being a master of none. And it's just like, I think it's like, I'm always trying to pick apart and help them understand like, you know, a lot of this is like culture and society that's kind of messing with your yourself, you know, like it's not really you like there. I mean, I see it everywhere too. So just trying to give people permission to just be like, no, no, like <laughs> that's not, that's not real life though, you know? <laughs> totally. So, okay. The obstacle that you say that you've overcome, what would that obstacle be? Because I think I kind of like pulled you away from it. To just have more patience. I used to be like, oh my God, I just like, I want to do this thing at this time. And I want to do this by this. Mm, Slow growth, slow growth. That's what you said. Yeah. Yes. Slow growth. And if you look back in retrospective, like my timeline, I mean, some people would say that's not slow growth, but while you're in it, you just got to be like, "Mm, okay, but I haven't been burnt out for five years. That's pretty true. Yeah. Are you serious? Yeah. I'm like burnt out every other month. (laughs) Okay. So maybe the difference is, is like, you know, sometimes I'll get stressed out and sometimes I'll get anxious and sometimes I'll not get any sleep. But burnout to me is emotional and physical shaking and devastation of like feeling like I'm so stuck. I can't breathe. I, I, yeah, I just every cry. other month. Fuck, girl. <laughs> no, no, I'm exaggerating. But, but I, I'm definitely, I'm working on that. That's why I'm prior, prioritizing the fun now. Yeah, prioritizing the fun. I'm like, let's I'm going to prescribe you some fun, maybe like three times a day. <laughs> I have an accountability. Uh, fun I don't accountability? Know no, 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 no. I have an a- accountability coach. I don't know like what to go. He like checks in with me every day to make sure I'm doing the business things. And I literally wrote him and I know I said, I know you're my accountability coach. And I know that every day I'm supposed to do two income producing things and da, 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 da. Right. But I was like, I think I need to start prioritizing fun. I literally wrote this. I was like, so I just need you to know that, that like moving forward, fun needs to be first. And if I don't do two things every day, like that's okay. Like, and I need to become okay with that. Like, Smiley face. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. He's really cool. He's like, all right, let me, let me just tr- see how to like reformulate my methods with you. <laughs> you know? like, no, but that's, but that's yeah, so, so important, important though. That's so important. I mean, for me, like, the things that are really important for me is like, I, I need to be able to laugh. Like laughter is so huge for me. It's like so important for my relationship. So yeah, like if I'm like ever in a situation where I'm not laughing, like what <laughs> we need to, we need to prioritize that. Totally. And thank you so much for investing so much of your time like to inspire us all. A couple last questions. One is, what is the best piece of advice that you've gotten? I don't even know if this was like who said this, but it was about worrying. Basically worrying, 
Well, I say worrying is not work. But, and what I mean by that is like, when you're learning something new, when you're in something new, you don't know the difference between planning and thinking and brainstorming and worrying. And worrying tends to be like way more exhausting and like you need way more Netflix binging, (laughs) you know? Whereas like, whereas solutions and brainstorming and actively executing is totally different and motivating and then uh, it's building momentum. And the reason why like for me, I have to like remember that and why it's good advice is because when you're trying new things all the time, it's very hard to see the difference between the two. You know, if I want to have fun and I want to have a great business and I want to like, you know, take pictures of my cat and eat two hour lunches, I have to be a bit more efficient with my energy, like my emotional energy. So even little things like that, like worrying versus brainstorming or having a conversation with someone that's toxic, like all of those little things add up to my emotional energy capacity. Mm, And yeah. And I'm just like, I just, I can't like, I don't want to be hung over anymore. Like I just don't drink as much anymore. I I don't want to like spend that time doing that. I'd rather like do other things now. And I think maybe that's because I'm like in the cool side of thirties now, but (laughs) 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 but um but yeah I'm just kind of I just want to do what I want to do so a lot of that means I have to be pretty happy to do it and pumped (laughs) I love that I love that so much quick question have you been on a podcast before yeah cool A lot of our guests haven't. And so I always just like to make that note, including extremely established. I've had my company acquired for billions of dollars, have not. So I like to show a transparency to everybody listening, like that just because you're in a certain status in life doesn't indicate something that everybody. Yeah. And then the last question I have, and you probably know like why I'm asking this, my affinity for productivity tools. What is your favorite tool? Oh girl, I've been wanting to talk to you about this forever. (laughs) App, website, hardware can be anything. I have to pick one. You know, I would love for you to say more. <laughs> okay, 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 okay. All right, number one, Notion. Oh, I just started using it. I love, yes. Love Notion. Love Notion. Number two. Wait, wait, describe what Notion is so we okay. don't make assumptions. Yeah. So so Notion is like Basecamp plus Trello plus Google Docs. So the way that we use it, I use it for my personal life, and I also use it for uh, our team as a project management tool, as a wiki, as a place to take notes, as a place to prioritize our tasks and do to-do lists. I even I actually have a YouTube video called, if you like search on YouTube for 1-800-HEY-PUNO time or notion, that'll probably show up. So my second favorite tool is... I love streak. So oh, the, the Gmail extension. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Tell us what it is. So we do a lot of email communication and I like to be in Gmail. 
And so what we use a lot there are canned messages, which Gmail just added, but they have canned messages. They have read receipts. So you can see if someone read your email, they have uh, pipelines and pipelines are a way for you to be like, okay, this student asked this question, blah, blah, blah. Should we follow up with them? Da, da, da. Like there's, you can do reminders. You can export it out to an Excel spreadsheet. It's just very powerful if you want to track your conversations with people on email. And oh my, I keep going forever. Oh my God, I love tools. We use Frame, IO, and Descript. So we use Frame for video feedback. And it's great because you can just watch it and you can literally just be like, hey, here, you know, you just type and then like it'll add a timestamp to it. And then you can export that out into Premiere Pro and then they can see it in the timeline. I also like Descript. We do podcasts as well, but we also use it because we like to do interviews with people and then take snippets of it, transcribe it, put it in content in other places like Instagram or whatever. So I use Descript a lot for transcription and editing and like creating scripts for our curriculum. Squarespace, (laughs) duh. (laughs) Figma, Figma, I've been using. Figma. So like we used Photoshop. I still use Photoshop. Figma is like the new sketch. It's the new Photoshop. The only thing I don't like about Figma is that it doesn't have like very specific Photoshop capabilities like being able to edit a photo, <laughs> Photoshop a photo. But in terms of collaboration, it's bomb, dude. Like you can just, you know, you can pull up a web browser. You don't have to download software. It's free. And then um, there's like paid tiers. And then if you are like, okay, I'm going to, here is the image for the podcast Instagram post, comment on it, ping whoever has to post it, be like, here, it's done. And then they can see you editing it at the same time. So we've been using it for everything. Like I've been using Figma instead of Keynote. I've been using Figma instead of like when, any mood boarding. It's just like, it's oh, really wow. good. Yeah. I have an ask since you love tools as much as I do. And since you love high quality content as much as I do with my new TikTok, the at Esprit Devora TikTok that has no videos at this moment, I would love to send you one of the first one or two TikToks that I do because it's going to be all about productivity tools and for you to share how I could curate it and create it to be useful for you. Like, can you tell me like, is this boring or like, what do you want out of it? Because I'm literally making this for people like you and I that like want to know what all the tools are and like how it can save me time or make me money. I love that. Yeah, we do that. So I have an Instagram course and we do that with all of the students. We call it feedback tradesies, where you have a set of questions that you can ask a stranger. And it's like, hey, what do you think? Like, when you look at this, what do you think it's about? Or like, what do you think I'm good at? Or why would... Great. Yeah. Yeah. Wait, before we before we wrap up and we'll include all the tools we discussed in the show notes, tell us about your Instagram course. I know we talked so much about Instagram and people map in part one of your interview, but let's make sure that everybody on this episode knows like if they want to dive in and build up their Instagram, like what do you have available for them? So I had an Instagram course before, and I think we're gonna bundle it with this. It was about how I grew our Instagram account, um, Made With Map, 
years ago. And I still think that a lot of the things apply. But what I found is that people have more trouble with content creation than anything. And so I decided to kind of like break down how I think about content from a almost like data point of view. So we start off with like, well, first I'd start off just just talking about the algorithm and how it works. And like one of the metaphors I use is like Spotify and just kind of, you know, there's a lot of negativity about the algorithm. And I think if you are stuck on that, then it's very hard for you to understand how to create content that's going to work on it. So and I don't mean like by like hacking it. I mean, just by like literally like this is how Understanding it, it. Yeah. yeah, this is how it works. And then we do like an Instagram audit where we look at all of your stats and your insights. And I talk about like how I look at it and what things I look for in terms of building a community, because a lot of people are like, I want to build a community but they don't know how or they don't know where to find people. Like, you know exactly where to look. Like, you can rattle it off right now, but not a lot of people. Yeah, people map. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you got to know before you get on a people map. <laughs> yeah, and then and then we go into, like, building out a brand book and, like, a content plan. And that's where and we have a lot of interactivity. And we actually just hired someone who used to work at Planoly, and they're going to be one of our high-level TAs that's going to help and give people direct feedback. So I think it's like the whole point of it, the big takeaway from it is that you need feedback. Like Instagram, it's a platform that's not an ad uh, in a sense. It's a place for you to communicate to your, your community, your potential community. So you need to get feedback. And like, I wanted to create an environment that was very positive, you know, and it was about like actionable feedback, not just this sucks. <laughs> totally, totally. I love it. I think I'm going to check out your Instagram course. Like I just met with TikTok this morning. Um, for those of you who don't know, I recently partnered with TikTok. And so that's why I'm now trying to figure out how to make a TikTok. And they were explaining to me that their algorithm, they said, listen, the way that our algorithm works, we're built for the viewer, for the user. So we discover what they like and then we feed to them only what they like. So you want to figure out like what category you want to be in because that's where you're going to show up for people that like that stuff that you create. Mm -hmm. And so it sounds like you're saying the same, a similar thing with Instagram. And listen, I'll take all the education that I can get to create the highest quality content. So I'm excited. I think that sounds really cool. Fun. I can't wait. Thank you so much for spending so much time, like extra of your time. You guys, Puno has been on with us forever because it was just such an amazing conversation. So definitely make sure to check out part one of our conversation, highlighting people map. Part two is all about I love creatives and her journey as, as you've been hearing. And it's just been a really, really great to get to know you a little bit and to talk and share. I think I'll end it on one last very offline question question. Do you have a favorite book that you recommend everybody read? Yes. Okay. It's actually right here. Biased. Wow. I haven't even heard of it. What's that about? By Jennifer Eberhardt. It's about implicit bias. It talks about it from, you know, it talks about it from all sorts of spectrums. And I think maybe like the best way to describe it, I'm not, I'm going to butcher it right now, but 
You're just going to read the back, read the jacket. (laughs) Well, there's this one quote that I just wrote down for my team because we're all reading it together. But it's basically, this book is an examination of implicit bias, what it is, where it comes from, how it affects us, and how we address it. And yeah, it's just like, I think everybody should read this book. It's so eye-opening. I'm going to I'm going to get it. I mean, I think everything I was going to say, I feel like I could talk to you for like a million hours longer and learn so many things. Like it's just not enough, but you've already been so like abundant with the time that you've given us. Thank you so much, Puno, for sharing your knowledge, your insights, your transparency, your passion, your heart. I'm so glad we reconnected. Where can people reach out to you to say hello? Puno Dostres, P U N O D O S T R E S on Instagram. Yeah. Perfect. To connect and collaborate with more women in tech around the world, remember to go to the Women in Tech Facebook group at womenintechvip.com. Womenintechvip.com takes you straight there. Say hello on social at Women in Tech Show on Twitter, on Instagram, on Facebook. I will see you guys, talk to you guys, hear you guys in the next episode. Bye. Bye. Hi, my name is Puno. I'm the founder of I Love Creatives, which is a place to get edutained and the co-founder of peoplemap.co, an Instagram marketing tool where you can grow strategically and build community. I'm based in Los Angeles, California, and you're listening to Women in Tech. The Women in Tech podcast is hosted and produced by me, Esprit Devora, With help from Janice Geronimo. Edited by Corey Jennings. Production and voiceover by Adam Carroll. Community spotlight coordination by Sarah Tran. And music from Jay Huffman Live and Epidemic Sound. The Women in Tech podcast is a wearetech.fm production. Thank you for being a listener of the Women in Tech podcast. To support the podcast and cheer us on, become an MVL Most Valuable Listener, go to womenintech.love, linked in the show notes.